loving Father, as we begin this session, may the rock we talked about an hour ago be our anchor. And may every other anchor be shifting sands. In these last days, we need an anchor, and the anchor is Jesus' rock. May we be stuck in Jesus and become immovable like Jesus is immovable. In his name I pray, amen. You know, I get asked many questions as I walk around this campus. One question was asked yesterday by several people. A question about Michael. Some people are confused about the name Michael. In fact, Christians of other denominations think we worship Michael and Michael is an angel. How can we do that? Let me clarify this because this topic is dealt thoroughly with in the book, in the textbook you have, Dare to be a Daniel. Jesus has many titles. Not just Michael. He's called many names. Can you think of some names for Jesus in the Bible? I don't know why people pick on the name Michael. He is called the bread of life, the light of the world. He's called the shepherd. He's called the door, the gate, the word. One of the names among many is Michael. And the name Michael, Michael, is a Hebrew name which means who is like God. And Satan doesn't like this name because Satan wants to be God. The way it is said is in the form of a question mark and the form of an exclamation mark. Question mark. Meaning, who's like God? Nobody. But the other way, who's like God? Exclamation mark. Nobody dares to be. And the reason I bring this topic up also is because of the text found on page 230, 230 in the book. Top of the page, 230. And it comes from Daniel 12, verse 1. The last chapter in Daniel. And it says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. There you have Michael again. Why? Because every time the name Michael is used, there is a confrontation with the devil. That's the only time the name Michael is used. That makes it very clear. Because now the context of this text we're studying is the great time of trouble. Where Satan and his forces will be loose upon the world. The angels will not be holding back the winds of strife. And and Satan's angel would be very active because they know their time is short. So Michael comes up, and what does he do? To give us encouragement and support till the end. Though he will not be our intercessor because he already sealed us and determined our destiny as righteous. Nothing is going to affect us. And now Michael shall stand up. Underline the word stand up, which implies what? He will be our 
If somebody stand up for you, what does that mean? Defend you. He'll be our defender. The more we become defensive, the less we allow Christ to defend us. And the less defensive we are, the more we allow Jesus to defend us. That's why Mary Magdalene, when she was criticized harshly, she didn't say a word because Christ was her defense. Allow Christ to defend you. If you're in a court of law as someone accused of something, you allow your defense lawyer to defend you. The next thing, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. What does it mean to stand watch? What does it mean to stand watch over something? To guard, to protect. So then Jesus in the last days, during the great time of trouble, he'll not only be our defender, but our protector. Isn't it a blessing to have Jesus as our protector and defender? And finally, when you keep reading, such as never was, there'll be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Christ finally will do what for us? Shall be delivered. He will do what? Deliver us. Therefore, in this one short text, to assure us that we're secure in the time of great trouble, though after the close of probation, when Jesus ceases his work of intercession, he will always remain three things. Our defender, our protector, and our final deliverer. And he won't need to be our intercessor. Why? Because he's coming to take us home. He cannot come to take us home until he stops interceding to come down. He has to step out of the most holy place. Now you notice the question, who is Michael? And then page 232, Michael, all the biblical references. First reference about Michael, who is going to defend you, protect you, and deliver you, is the reference made to Moses. In the burning bush, take your sandals off. Your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Satan did not want the children of Israel to be delivered from Egypt. He wanted them to die there. He wanted them to stay there forever. Why? Because he knew if they came out of Egypt, the prophets of the Bible will be fulfilled and will have a Messiah to save the world. He didn't want that to happen. And even when Jesus, was came, when Jesus came to this world and he was tempting him in the wilderness, he took him to a high mountain. He said, if you just bow before me, you'll have the whole world. You don't have to die. Je you know, when your worst enemy doesn't want you to die, that's a terrible thing. There must be a big reason behind that problem. Satan did not want Jesus to die, not because he loved him, but because he hated the world. He did not want the world to be saved. You follow that? And now, if you go to Daniel 10, Daniel was praying for the release of his people from exile for 21 days. Wondered if God was hearing his prayer. After 21 days, Gabriel came from heaven to Daniel and said, Daniel, greatly 
man greatly beloved, from the very first moment you start praying 21 days ago, we began to work in your behalf. Do you get discouraged when you pray longer than you think you need to pray? Do you wonder if God's doing anything? This should prove to you when we pray, God starts working in your behalf. From the very moment that you start praying 21 days ago, we went forth to work in your behalf. And why? And now remember, Michael was involved in Daniel's prayers. Gabriel said, after a while, Michael came to help us. Christ helps us in our prayer life. Christ is our greatest prayer warrior. He prays for us and with us. He came to help Daniel and to help Michael in answering that prayer request. You say, why did it take Michael, the mighty Michael, the Son of God, confronting Satan directly? Because it says here that the prince of Persia, used by Satan, was obstructing the release of the exile. Why was Satan trying so hard to keep the exiles in Babylon? Because he knew if they allowed to go back, the prophets about the coming of the Savior Jesus will be fulfilled. He didn't like that. He did not want people to be saved by the sacrifice of Christ. Every time we pray, Satan brings opposition. Every time. You got to keep praying. Because Satan's desires, design our lives are much weaker than Christ, Michael, praying for us. Where else do you find Michael? In Revelation, and there was war in heaven between Michael and his angels and Lucifer and the angels. And Michael always prevails. And the devil thinks he owns this world because in Jude, a unique place describing the burial and resurrection of Moses. Moses was buried. And Michael, that's it, Jesus says, Michael came to resurrect them, and the devil objected. There was a great controversy on Mount Nebo about Moses being resurrected or not. And the devil said to Michael, you cannot resurrect him because I own him, because he's dead in this world. Thank God, Satan doesn't own the saints. Only Jesus does, only Michael does. And in spite of the devil's objections, Moses was raised from the dead by Michael. Now, I know as Seventh-day Adventists, we believe in the state of the dead that when you die, you rest in the grave until the resurrection, but there are exceptions, aren't there? Do you think there are exceptions to that? Please be careful what to say about Moses. Moses can heal you. Whenever I preach a sermon on Moses, yeah, because sometimes... People say all kinds of things about the dead people. They can't hear, they cannot feel, they cannot see. But I can assure you, Moses in his glorified state, immortal state, can hear everything you say. So I'm very careful when I preach about Moses, I like to keep everything biblical. So Moses, when he was resurrected, he represented all the righteous who will die, rest in the grave, 
and Christ will resurrect them at the end. That's the proof that our resurrection is sure. And he chooses whom he resurrects and whom he allows to live. It doesn't mean you're better than the other person because look, look at Elijah the prophet. Do you think Elijah was better than Moses? No. They're both great prophets. One was allowed to die, but the other one was allowed to be translated without seeing death. And what a glorious event when Jesus took his close, intimate circle, John, Peter, and James, to the Mount of Transfiguration, and before them, Jesus was transfigured in his divine glory. On either side, there was Moses and there was Elijah, representing what? This Michael Jesus assures us of being translated when Jesus comes or resurrected. But the end result is the same. We'll all be with heaven with Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he said, the ones who are alive when Jesus comes will not go before the resurrected saints. All together will meet Jesus in the air. Isn't that glorious? What would you do without this hope? And let me say here, there are things in my sermons I say on the spur of the moment, just the Lord impressed me with these. Even though Jesus was human, yet there are flashes of divinity that came through him once in a while while he was in this world. Flashes of divinity, I should say divinity. This was one of them. That was a flash of divinity. Another one, when he cast out all the thieves from the temple, they're afraid, trembled before him. He spoke with authority. Ellen White said there was a flash of divinity. Another time, when, he, when the judge of the whole earth, Jesus Christ, was judged by Caiaphas, the high priest, and Jesus was carrying this crown of thorns being humiliated. Caiaphas, I want you to tell me by an oath that you are the son of God or not. He said, you say so. He tore his garments, signifying the tearing of the Jewish nation. In the Old Testament, such a high priest who tore his garment represent the nation of Israel was to be punishable by death, punished by death. He deserved to die for doing that. And now he was condemning Jesus to die. And Jesus said these words that made the high priest tremble because there was a flash of divinity. And Caiaphas trembled before Jesus, condemned to die, because he saw before him standing the judge of the whole earth. He knew someday he'll be judged by Jesus. And he trembled with fear. And Jesus said, henceforth, the son, see the Son of Man coming in glory and power and authority. And he trembled because there was a flash of divinity. And Caiaphas saw a glimpse of the divine Jesus as his judge at the end. 
It's fascinating for me to study about the life of Jesus. I'm writing a book entitled The Mideast Messiah. He was a Middle Eastern person. And the subheading is Cultural Perspectives into the Life and Teachings of Jesus. Because I want to look deeper into the culture of Jesus and get the real meaning behind his life and his teachings. Now then, some of you thought that Christ only prayed in the New Testament. Daniel 10, all of chapter 10, is about Christ, Michael, praying. Every time we pray from our heart, Jesus is involved. Prayer was never meant to be a solo activity. It was always meant to be a joint sacred activity with Jesus. Jesus prays for us. And I know I mentioned that during this week, but now I want to illustrate it so it will really sink in your mind what happens when we pray from our heart. Do you believe that Jesus prays for us? The New Testament teaches that. We talked about Jesus praying for his disciples individually, collectively. He prayed for his enemies, for future generations. So I just want to know if somebody can join me on the stage here. I have to choose somebody who is not very tall. Somebody about my height. There is nobody my height. Nobody? Excuse me, Chris, are you my height? Could you please come? Come here. You're not too bad. Chris Peterson, who gave his testimony yesterday with his wife, who was a tremendous, genuine convert from Islam, took big risks. Her family rejected her forever. But you accepted her as a part of your family. Chris, I thought you were taller, Chris. <laughs> this is just right. The Lord bless me. Research subject how Jesus prays for us. And I just want to read to you a statement from the Spirit of Prophecy. In this book, Christ's Way to Pray. This is what it says. As soon as we come to God in prayer from our heart, Jesus, our mighty prayer warrior, You say, what do you mean prayer warrior? My pastor is a prayer warrior. My dad is a prayer warrior. That's wonderful. Let them pray for you. But don't ever ignore Jesus praying for you. In fact, all the wonderful prayers in your behalf are of no avail unless they're anchored in the mighty prayers of Jesus. Like we say, my righteousness like filthy rags. I need Christ's robe of righteousness. My prayers are tainted with self. They must have the sweet fragrance of Christ's intercessions. That's why Revelation 8 says, the sweet fragrance of the incense is to be mingled with the prayers of the saints and make them fragrant. If you ever feel your prayers are smelly and taint with self, great help on the way. The all-sufficient fragrant incense of Jesus' mighty intercessions are to saturate your smelly prayers Make them fragrant. Don't ever ignore the sweet fragrance of Jesus' prayers. And people tell me, oh, my prayers are so measly. 
What do I do with my measly prayers? There is hope for you and for me. Join your measly prayers with the mighty prayers of Jesus. And your prayers will become efficacious because they're connected with something bigger than themselves. And some people tell me my faith is weak like a mustard seed. Thank God for the mustard seed of faith God gave you. But don't leave it alone. Take your puny faith and anchor it in the powerful faith of Jesus and your faith will grow. That's the only way for your faith to grow. That's why Alan White said, take your eyes off yourself and focus on Jesus. Focus on his great faith. Focus on his mighty intercessions in your behalf. Did you think you want to preach a sermon with me today? Chris? All right. did, you, did you think I'm going to call no. upon you? I called upon you yesterday and today. But tomorrow I'm leaving at 5 o'clock to go to Atlanta to have a series of meetings. Okay? The Sabbath. I won't be here tomorrow, so I will not call on you anymore. So relax. You know. All right. By the way, tomorrow there will be no meeting. We have accomplished a lot here. You've been good students. We covered the material. You got all A's. Did you know that, bud? No final exam in this class? All A's. And tomorrow I'm giving you a break. As soon as we come to God in prayer from our heart. It has to be from the heart. Don't waste your time. <laughs> composing prayers to make them look fancy. Oh, no. Because Jesus is a great proofreader and editor. He takes everything you see in your prayer and he polishes it and he edits it to sound beautiful. Things happen when you come to God in prayer from your heart. Jesus, our mighty warrior, mighty prayer warrior, draws close to us. You know, when elders huddle together before the sermon, draw close to each other, and they experience spiritual camaraderie. you mind if I draw close to you, Chris? Because, you know, I mean, in the Pakistani culture, people are sociable. So, I draw close to you. Jesus draws close to us. With his loving human arm. By the way, Jesus has two arms. What a wonderful analogy. Human arm, divine arm. Human arm to represent him as the son of man who loves us, who reaches where we are, even at ground zero. He's compassionate with us. With his loving human arm, he encircles us. Am I encircling you? Mm -hmm. I'm not? What do you mean? Yes. Halfway. Look at my hand. Oh, halfway. Okay, halfway. You know what it means to encircle? It means totally cover you. But every human arm is inadequate. Only the human arm of Jesus can cover us completely. Ellen White said by inspiration, his loving human arm as a son of man encircles you, which means he covers you. Everything about you, he covers. He never leaves anything to chance. Aren't you glad that the human arm of Jesus covers you completely? To encircle means what? It comes from the word circle. How many degrees? 360 degrees. You're covered by Jesus 360 degrees. Then, the third thing. First of all, he draws close to you. Second thing, he encircles you with his loving human arm. The third thing, he espouses your prayer requests 
and makes them his very own. Isn't that awesome? Your prayer requests are not floating in space aimlessly, but they're espoused by Jesus, and he makes them his own. Now, you know, from your recent experience, you know the meaning of the verb to espouse. I hope. What does that mean to espouse? Come together. Well, be more specific than that. Please look at your wife. Be more specific. I give you a second chance. What does it mean to espouse? To marry. Exactly. See how helpful you were? He looked at you and he thought of the word marry. You know, that's the most intimate verb in the English language. To marry, to join, to be one. Jesus marries our prayer request and makes him his very own. Makes him his very own. And finally, our prayer request espoused by Jesus. By faith, they ascend upon his divine arm. What does the divine arm represent? The Son of God. Human arm, Son of Man. Divine arm, Son of God. What does it represent? His sovereignty, His power. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we ask or imagine, according to His power, at work in our lives. When you pray this kind of praying with Jesus, then His power will become activated in your life to perform miracles. This is the kind of praying we need in the last days. It's not enough to just pray for the missionaries and colporters. Or, I hope I'm ready when you come. Oh, no, we need to come close to the heart of Jesus in this kind of praying. Thank you so much. I hope this demonstration will linger in your mind. It will make a profound difference in your prayer life. Praise the Lord. You know, people who pray with Jesus, thank you for staying with me here. Now, I think your wife, your bride needs you. You've been married for three weeks only, right? Three weeks. Three weeks and a half now, yes. I think she needs you now. But thank you for letting me borrow him. Now you can have him, okay? This is the kind of praying we're talking about as we study Daniel chapter 10. How Michael joined the fray in praying for the exiles to be released. It's interesting, in this book on prayer, Christ way to pray, the spirit of prophecy tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that wonderful to have a friend who doesn't change? A lot of people betray each other for nothing. Jesus never betrays you. You can totally depend on him. And we're told that Jesus is always the same, Yesterday and today and forever. As he prayed for Peter, which he did, by the way. Luke 22, 31, 32. He prays for us today. And she adds this extra encouraging statement. And he tailors his prayers. What does it mean to tailor? What does that mean? We don't even think about that anymore. We buy our suits already done. What happened to go, good old days when you go to a tailor and they make your outfit fits you exactly? You know something? Many of the clothes today we wear, they don't fit exactly, but it's okay. We manage. I like that. He, he fits 
He tailors his prayers in your behalf to go along with all the challenges and difficulties you're facing. I see he in front of me, right here, maybe you can be included. Are you grandparents? You have 16 great-grandchildren. Awesome. And how many grandchildren? 12 grandchildren. Yes. You have a lot. You are the great example for me to mention. Do you pray for them? Always you pray for with all your heart. From this moment on, whenever you pray for your grandchildren, I'm assuring you from the word of God and from the spirit of prophecy that Jesus joins you to pray for them. Not only that, he unites his powerful prayers with your puny prayers. What does the word puny mean? Puny. Small. He unites your puny prayers, small prayers, with his powerful prayers. So your prayers can become powerful in Christ's prayers. Not only that, and he tailors his prayers to fit the particular needs and challenges and difficulties your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are facing right now. Isn't that awesome? It can't get better than that. He is here for the first time. Praise the Lord. Because you prayed for him. And don't go and get all the credit for that because Jesus gets the credit because Jesus was joining his mighty prayers with your small prayers. A young lady, see, I like to tell stories in my sermons. A young lady came to my office, one of my students. She said, Dr. Saman, my faith is gone. My prayer life is shot. Why is that? Because my roommate was a tremendous Christian. And she used to pray with me and for me, but now she is gone. She left the school. So I'm all by myself. I can't pray. I said, You're not alone. Your roommate left, your prayer partner, but you still have another prayer partner. Don't ignore. No, I don't have another prayer partner. Let me tell you from the word of God and the spirit of prophecy, his name is Jesus Christ. He is called the mighty intercessor. He is called the great prayer warrior. And the Bible tells you he prays for you. And I'm assuring you his prayers are more mighty than the prayers of your roommate. Don't forget about Jesus praying for you. She said, well, Dr. Saman, but I have a problem. I have a problem. My prayer life is at ground zero. Is there hope for me if my prayer life is at ground zero? Do you think there is hope for you if you feel your prayer life is at ground zero? Is there hope for you? You tell me. Thank you for that answer. Because we're told in the spirit of prophecy and the Bible that the ladder Jacob saw in his dream represents Jesus. Jesus himself said it represented him. Where? In John 1, 51. I mentioned about Nathaniel early on this week. And Jesus said, I saw you when you entered the fig tree. And Nathan was amazed. He said, you haven't seen anything yet. 
like in colloquial English, you ain't, you ain't seen anything yet. You talk about the victory, henceforth, you will not see the victory, you will see the heavens open. Instead of the figs, which I love, you will see stars. Instead of seeing the victory, you see the heavens open. And the Son of Man, I mean, and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man, who is Jesus. Ellen White said, Jesus is represented by that mystical ladder, and she said, that's a medium of prayer between heaven and earth. Now, please be with me. That's my concluding comments here before we have Lindsay have this wonderful song, perfect song, the words fit this conclusion. Jacob felt like he was a cheat. He conspired with his mother. He deceived his father never to see them again. Is this what you want to do your parents? Never to see them again. And he cheated big time from his brother. Running for his life. Ellen White said he was chased by vicious beasts and stalked by murderous bands. He ran and ran and ran. Finally, he got so tired. He didn't care anymore. Denied before the comfortable bed, a comfortable pillow. But now the soil, the sand was his bed and a stone served as his pillow. I don't know about you. At my age, I want a comfortable pillow. The first thing I check at the hotel, Mayfield, I want to know if the pillow was comfortable because if it's not, if it's not soft, I have neck ache. But this man had a stone that's hard for his pillow, maybe about a foot and a half wide, half a foot, I mean long, half a foot wide. And he might have felt so bad, he might have prayed this prayer, Lord, help me if you can. Fell asleep immediately, tired. God, away from me. I'm a sinner. And he saw this awesome dream. He woke up. What did he say? What did he say? That's what he said. And then he did something about it. He said, God is here. But I didn't know it. How many of us feel that way? God left me. He's here. Don't go by feeling. God, Jacob felt God left him. God is here. I did not know it. What else did they say after that? For five bonus points, what else did they say that? How awesome is this place? Wherever the presence of God is, it's awesome. And then Lindsay, what else did he say after that? You took my class, you got an A. What else did he say after that? God is here. I didn't know it. What an awesome place. And then he said, and let me help you. He put you on the spot here. This is the house of God. And that's the gate of heaven. In Hebrew, he said, this is Bethel. Beth is house. El is God. This is the house of God. He didn't say, God is coming by like many of us do. High and by. High and by. Oh, no. He came to reside. In my life to linger on. Love seeks togetherness. If you love somebody, you want to stay with them. 
This is the house of God. This is where God resides. But don't just think about the house of God in this world. Think of heaven. Let me make some. And what else did he do after that? That's what he said, but he did. It's not enough to talk, you have to do something. He took, he took his pillow made out of stone. What did he do with it? He made a pillar out of it. I call this from a pillow prayer to a pillar prayer. What kind of prayer do you pray? Is it a pillow? Is it a pillar? There's a difference. A pillow prayer surveys horizontally the landscape. I compare your prayer with mine. Yours is weak. Mine is weak. He changed his attitude and he made a pillar out of it. Small still. The same side. It was pointing in the right direction. Pointing heavenward. Ellen White makes a comment about that. And she is Christ is the mystical ladder. He is the medium of prayer for us between heaven and earth. You notice with Chris, I demonstrate he has two arms. One human, one divine. One to reach you at ground zero and one to connect you with heaven. Now we have the same analogy, the ladder representing Jesus. The ladder is always anchored on ground zero. Thank God for that. The ladder reaches you where you are, just like human armages reaches you at ground zero, doesn't leave you there, connects you with heaven. And that's why what we need to do, according to inspired counsel, we are to align our pillar prayer, align it, with the mystical ladder Jesus. What does it mean to align? What does it mean to align? Bring together. You align the car. Bring the wheels together in the same direction. Align your short pillar prayer with the mystical ladder Jesus. You say, well, I mean, that's not very high. No, we're not talking about height here, inches and feet and miles. No, no. We're talking about the right direction. If you do your best for Jesus, he becomes your righteousness. What happens? He steps in and compensates for your deficiency by his own perfect prayers. He steps in and takes your smelly, tainted prayer, and he saturates it with his fragrant prayers. That's the kind of prayer we want to have during the time of trouble. And then Ellen White said, therefore, when you pray, cling to Christ. I like these two verbs. I call them the double C's. Cling to Jesus. Cling to the ladder and climb upon the ladder. Some people cling forever. They're not to specialize just clinging to Jesus. If you really genuinely cling to Jesus, you climb on Jesus advancement in your sanctified life. And some people want to jump, climb upon the level that clinging to Jesus, and they fall off. That's why there's balance in our come. Cling to Christ and climb upon Christ. It's now 
4.30, we still have 15 minutes. I think on this note, I want Lindsay to sing beautifully, take my life and let it be. Jacob did, Daniel did. Let's join them, give our life to Jesus and let him fashion it and work it in his own image. Amen. Dr. O'Malley had the beautiful music, special music in our last seminar as we concluded. I asked him to have a prayer, the concluding prayer, and I love the words so much of this song. Can you pray for us and all of us here and use some of these words in the song to bring it to our hearts and bring conviction for us to as Jesus take our life, fashion it according to his image. Let's bow our heads as Jennifer prays for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're willing to take us, that you're willing to take our lives and use us for your glory. And I pray that you would take our feet, take our lips, help the words that we speak to bring life to others. Lord, I pray that you would take our hearts above all and that we would be 100% fully committed to you. Amen. And that your love would fill us and that we can reach a world in need and in pain. Amen. And that we can bring your everlasting love to them as well. Yes, we love you and ask that you would come into our hearts and bless us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.